It's time for JT the Brick. The years are ticking off, JT. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, you got to play at the highest level. You're not going to win in this league. JT the Brick. Hey, Raider Nation, let that sink in. Since 2018, he has 25 interceptions. Raider fans go crazy around here when a guy gets two for the entire season. Anytime, JT, and uh, hide all my uh, Raider fans out there and go Raiders. And now... Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Thanks for joining us today on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. as we open up the show. We got a lot to get to today. Busy show. Hope everyone's doing well. Wow. The hockey's unbelievable. There's no gold tonight's. We don't have baseball in this town. The Oakland A's stink. They want to move here, potentially. They don't draw flies up in Oakland. We don't have baseball here. We got the Raiders. It's very quiet in Raider Nation, but we're here in June. June 1st, and this is what I've been waiting for as we open up the month. And I don't believe the Raiders are done. I think the Raiders are going to be active. I hope they're going to be active. There's some free agents still available. There's some guys who want to get paid on the team. There's some other storylines. I think it's going to be a good month, and I'm hoping something hits. Hoping that there's an offensive lineman who comes through that door. I think they will. Look at a few. I think there's going to be some salary cuts. Some teams like the Raiders are getting a little bit of extra money. What are they going to do? Spend it on Renfro and Waller or go get someone else and maybe bring something in? I don't know. I'm hoping for the best. I know those guys are going to get paid. They're going to work that out. But I don't know who the extra name is going to be that comes in here. Man, everybody is calling me and texting me on Indomitian and Sue. And Odell Beckham Jr. Look, Odell Beckham Jr., let's get that out of the way first. He came off a really big injury in the Super Bowl, got a ring. He worked well with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. I don't think that Odell Beckham Jr. would like to be a fourth option. I don't. I followed his entire career. If he wants to be a fourth option and play for significantly less in Las Vegas with his brand and his social media status and do all that, it's risky because he's proven to be a distraction. This is an organization that went after Antonio Brown at the time and looked right. He's a hell of a player. Antonio Brown was a lot better than Odell Beckham Jr. Not even close. A lot better than him. And they both got Super Bowls. Isn't that amazing? Antonio Brown got a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, and OBJ just got one with the Rams. That means something for their legacies. They're really good players, but they've been distractions. Let's move on to Indomitian and Sue and what everybody wants to know about that. Look, I've been here. This will be my 24th year with the team. I've seen a lot of players come and go, and a lot of players come in at the end of their career. I'll give you two, for example, Richard Seymour and Warren Sapp. They're both in the Hall of Fame. I thought they played well. Sapp played his ass off for the Raiders. I was a sideline reporter. I saw it. Played his ass off for the Raiders on a below-average team. He wasn't Warren Sapp from Tampa. No one is. And Richard Seymour, when he came here, Hall of Famer, his best years were behind him. Remember a guy named Justin Tuck, one of my favorite players. Great Raider. He wasn't Justin Tuck with the Giants. But, you know, you get price points for players at the end of their career. And Dominican Sue is really good. I think he's Hall of Fame worthy. And I think he's got more in the tank, not more than what Sapp had. Sapp was a special player. But he had more in the tank than Richard Seymour, that's for sure, and some of these other aging players. If Ndamukong Sue comes in on a one-year deal, all it will say is this, that the Raiders are all in to win the Super Bowl this year. 
A lot of people don't think the Raiders are a Super Bowl contender. That would be all of the national media. That has them in power rankings at 16. Las Vegas has the win total at 8.5. I, I always point out to you the Charger propaganda and all the Russell Wilson propaganda. Nobody thinks the Raiders are winning the Super Bowl. So if you want to bring in Indomitian Sue for one year and not go to the Super Bowl or win a championship, what's the point? The point is it gives you a better chance to get to the Super Bowl and win in this division. It's not your money. It's not my money. So if anybody comes in and wants to play here on a short-term deal, Indomitian Sue doesn't need a prove-it deal. It's called the prove-it deal. Veterans at the end of their career come in. Hey, man, we don't think you got much left. We'll give you a one-year deal. Prove that you can play. You don't ask Indomitian and Sue to play on a prove-it deal. The guy's a beast. He's a great player. And I heard guys talking about it today, callers on the morning show. We Clay and Heidi, other people checking in on this. I'm cool with Indomitian Sue. He is a great all-time player. If he comes in here, I just don't think that Dave Ziegler, I don't know, I don't think they want to build with aging veterans. If he deals right, welcome him in. But he's just one of those other players that could be out there that could – drop into Vegas and obviously be a good player there. I have nothing to add on that, nor does anybody else. Again, Dave Ziegler and McDaniels are buttoned up. There's not a lot of rumors running around these guys. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it when they want to do it. But we're at June 1st, where money is opening up in the NFL, and there are some teams that are doing some great work. ESPN put out a winners and losers column behind a paywall today on off-seasons, and, you know, the Raiders had a really good off-season. They brought in Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. Spiked the ball. They won the off-season. They brought in those guys. On top of Rock Yassin, some of the other players that have come in from the Patriots, they loaded up the running back room, and they seem to be pretty good with what they have up front on the defensive line. But I still want to see an, uh, I still want to see an offensive lineman, and I don't care who it is. Just make sure I know his name. He's played in the league before. He's had more than a cup of coffee, and he's not a backup. We're done with backup offensive linemen, okay? We're, be- we're done. You want to have a guy who's a depth guy who can come in and play swing tackle and guard? Cool. But if you're going to bring anybody in, make sure the guy can start because we need starters on the offensive line. You might not hear that. We do. We need starters on the offensive line. One more I think would really tighten up the offseason, and I think they're working on that. So that's one of the things we hit on here, but really it's not a – Reason for you to call in. I don't want you to ever call in if you have nothing to say. I want you to call in for two reasons. One, you're really fired up and you got to get something off your chest. And number two, you disagree with me. Or if you agree with me, great. But I'd rather have another voice other than myself. My best friend said, what's up with your voice today? I said, it takes me about an hour. I'm no Lady Gaga. I'm I'm not Don Henley. It takes me about an hour to get this muscle working to do five hours a day. And coming up here every day, I got... Quiet Raider news, which I love. Quiet. No one no one getting in car accidents. No one doing anything stupid. No one on the police blotter. Quiet. This is the way it should be. It's a great time. Now, quickly, Tom Brady sat at the Aces game last night. Mark Davis was there. Aces undefeated at home. You know how much I support Mark Davis. Great job there. Tom Brady's in town. They play the match today. So I had breakfast this morning at Encore with a friend of mine who's in town. And the place was buzzing, buzzing with TNT crew, cameramen, caddies all over the place. I can't wait to watch that. That'll be on 3.30 Pacific time. Tom Brady will team up with Aaron Rodgers going up against Josh Allen, who will team up with Patrick Mahomes. 
I find that interesting that they're asking Patrick Mahomes to play in Vegas instead of Derek Carr. I don't know the difference in their golf game. I know Derek's getting better. Josh Allen also. But these guys are considered elite quarterbacks. I think that Derek Carr's in the room with all the elite quarterbacks. If the elite quarterbacks are all in the room and Derek walks in, he doesn't have to knock. He's not the top top three, four quarterback in the league. But he's in the top ten if he's at number ten. But the propaganda now with Justin Herbert, who I think is elite, I think Justin Herbert is elite, and Russell Wilson I know is elite, played in two Super Bowls, won one, should have won two, there's always going to be that noise here. And there's a lot of quarterback noise in Las Vegas tonight. Four of the best quarterbacks in the world are here. And they're at win, and that's going to be a lot of fun if you watch that on TV. Uh, My sons, give my sons credit, they love video games at Madden. They both knew and from talking to their friends that Coach Madden would be on the cover of the Madden NFL 23 video game. First time that Coach has been on the cover since the year 2000. This is a great day in Raider history. Why is it? Because a former Raider coach is on the cover of Madden. Uh, Most of the kids who might not know a lot about media, they all know. John Madden's one of the greatest crossover talents in broadcast history. From a legendary coach to a legendary broadcaster to the face of the most popular sports video game of all time. So that was really cool to see. Really nice to see that today. And that confirmed and come down. And they got Coach Madden breaking through a wall. It says, thanks, Coach. And he's on the cover with a black shirt. Would have been nice to see the Raider logo, but I'm sure there's copyright deals there. So he was last featured in 2000, and now we see him again. Rest in peace to the great John Madden here. And this is a great milestone. If you're a Madden fan, wouldn't this be the day to call in on this video game and talk about the importance of it? Uh, my sons are big guys with this. They love Madden. They love MLB The Show. They're getting really into Game of Thrones. That's their summer thing. They're, they're diving into that and all that. But they'll be playing. They'll be playing tonight as they always do there. All right. You want more topics? I'm full of them. I'm full of all these topics today. And Roger Goodell and Daniel Snyder have been asked to appear in front of Congress. This might be one of my favorite topics in sports. I love when Congress gets involved in sports. If you've been listening to me for 10 minutes or 20 years, you know I've been saying this. One of the only guys to say it. Congress should get involved when sports screw up. And and when sports can't police themselves and get it right and they bring embarrassment to the nation, which would be the steroid scandal or what's happening with some of these NFL stories, there's enough congressmen and women who have time on the docket, on their schedule, to bring people up and talk about it. I'm always amazed at the people who say, Congress doesn't need to get involved. Don't we have enough problems? We always have problems. No matter who the president is, we're a mess right now. This country is a mess. So, of course, they should be working on roads and infrastructure and the supply chain. And there's a war in Ukraine and all of this, right? Uh, Global warming, whatever gets you going, police being underfunded, whatever you want. They got plenty of time to do that, too. They also get involved in sports because... They're sports fans. That's what people forget. These congressmen and women love sports. They go to games. They have teams in their districts, and they feel embarrassed now. So Representative Carolyn Maloney out of New York, the chairperson of the Committee on Oversight and Reform, and another rep named Raja Krishnamuthi from Illinois, the chairperson of the Subcommittee on Economic and Consumer Policy. Let me stop. Economic. A lot of money. Multi-billion dollar league, some tax breaks here. They're going, come on up. We don't like what you're doing. 
We don't like what we're seeing, and it's in our city with Daniel Snyder. Oh, and what about these emails that took out John Gruden? And what about the workplace environment with the commanders and women? You're not going to admit to any of this? Well, get your ass up to the Rayburn building, and we're going to put you on TV, and we're going to swear you under oath, and you're going to have to tell us the truth. It's the only way to clean this up. The only way to clean up this mess. And believe me, NFL owners don't want to sit in front of Congress, man. Nobody wants to sit in front of Congress. Politicians don't want to sit in front of Congress. So, quote, here's the quote today. It's really good. The NFL really needs to answer the question of why it conducted the investigation in the way it did and why hasn't it brought transparency as to how to investigate and how the investigation was conducted. Bravo. I couldn't have said it any better, and I've been saying it for months. This is exactly what they figured out. So Daniel Snyder declined to testify. All options are on the table. Subpoenas are part of the conversation coming up here. So I think this makes sense. What do you think? It involves John Gruden as the head coach of the Raiders. It involves the emails of the Washington commanders. It involves the commissioner of football. It involves everybody. So your football fans listening to an NFL flagship. I don't bring up anything. I don't bring up rumors on this. I'm pro Roger Goodell. At times, I like the league. I make my living in the league. I'm pro Mark Davis. I'm pro Raiders, and I'm great friends with John Gruden. So what do you think I, where do you think I stand on this? I stand on bringing everybody up there and talk it out. And we'll see. Uh, Representative Jackie Spear of California said in a statement that the common interest agreement signed by the NFL and the commanders before the league took over the investigation into the franchise's culture suggests the NFL never intended the investigation to be independent or made public. She said she looks forward to questioning both Snyder and Goodell about the cover-up. Ooh. The co- what's worse, the crime or the cover-up? Everybody says the cover-up. The crime, you don't have a cover-up unless you have a crime, right? The only reason it's a cover-up is someone did something wrong, there's a crime, and then they cover it up. I love the statements from these congresswomen. It's time to shine the light of truth on this dark cesspool that passes for a pro-sports organization. Oh, my God. Oh, that's unbelievable. Holy crap. This, this congresswoman is dropping daisy cutters up at the Rayburn building today. So Roger Goodell doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go there. He doesn't want to have to sweat that out. Daniel Snyder should be forced to do it. We'll see if he has to go up there, and then maybe we can get to the bottom of this. The Washington Post. Again, hometown newspaper reported in November that Daniel Snyder tried to prevent Beth Wilkinson from interviewing a woman who had accused the owner of sexual misconduct in 2009. The woman was ultimately paid $1.6 million in a settlement. Goodell, however, has denied that Snyder hindered the investigation. So that's where we're at. And the NFL, their spokesman, is spinning today. I mean, they are. This is not summer vacation, man. This is not summer vacation on Park Avenue. I mean, they got everybody in the conference room. They got a stack of attorneys. They, they got Chinese food brought in. They got sandwiches brought in. No one's going home. This ain't a three-day weekend in the city. The NFL now has to put out these forest fires of controversy, including Deshaun Watson. We're now up to 24 women in a legal lawsuit 
Civil lawsuit went from 22 to 24 in the last couple of days. John Gruden won his first argument to get this to trial. Uh, the NFL is going to appeal on that. And that's where we're at. So how does it involve the Raiders? It really doesn't. It involves a former Raider employee, John Gruden, that most people liked. Really popular guy. And what he did was completely wrong. And his statements on the email, no one condones them, but he has the right to explain it and what context they were in and why they got his emails and no one else's. Oh, my God. And who was ever CC'd on those emails? I'll leave you at that. So that's a big story today. That's what we wanted to open up with. Let me tell you what I got lined up. 12:30. Terry McDaniel, former All-Pro, Pro Bowl cornerback for the Raiders. What a career he had. Uh, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the franchise from Southern California. Lee's great at talking AFC West. He will join us live. And Damon Bruce from 95-7, the game on the Warriors. And the Warriors in the NBA Finals starting tomorrow. I thought we'd get more Warrior calls. I did. We're on the flagship of the Raiders. Dub Nation, Raider Nation. Uh, Dub Nation seems pretty confident. The line, we had Jeff Sherman on yesterday. Uh, The line remains the same. It opened up Golden State minus three. It's now three and a half. I think the Warriors, and you know where to find me on Twitter if I'm wrong, I think the Warriors, they might start sloppy. That was my breakfast this morning, talking to a Warriors insider who's in Vegas. They might start sloppy because they're a sloppy team. They play sloppy at times, and Boston could be in the game. I think the Warriors are going to pounce on Boston. They have to send a message to Boston that you're not in the series. We're going to bury you in game one. Because I think Boston's going to play their best game, game two. It's a must win. Game two, for me, for Boston, feels like game six. If they can't win game two, they might not get to game six or seven. So I think game two, when that line comes out, it's going to be fascinating to see where they stand there. So other than that, we're wide open. I got a getaway day after the show, quick trip to New York and back. And uh, next week, we're going to start off the show Monday inside the Raider facility. There's some big announcements coming up here on Raider Nation Radio, and we'll find out about that on Monday as our entire lineup will be in the building and get a chance to be there and all be there as a team. Really excited about that. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in on any topic in sports. In June, we're a sports talk show. When Raiders play, I'm a Raiders show. I'm doing sports talk. Hammer in the Bronx. Start us off. What's happening? What's going on, JT? First off, I hope you have a safe trip in my stomping grounds yes. in the coming future. I uh, saw you on YouTube a while back on my brother Dox's live and uh, love the content. Would absolutely love to have you as a guest on mine on Hammer's House on YouTube in the near future. Um, let's talk about the Raiders real quick. Um, Dominican Sue, I think, would definitely be a really viable um, option for us right now. I'm looking at a ballpark of 7 to $9 million. The guy mm-hmm. has... Not missed a game since 2012, 161 straight games, and that doesn't even include the playoffs. So you're probably looking at like 174 plus. Great veteran leadership. He would definitely be a problem on that line, especially he could be alongside Nichols. He could be al- uh, alongside uh, Farrell. Mm-hmm. But then having having um, Chandler Jones and Max on the edge, they're going to cause problems. Pressure breaks pipes, and it's going to start with that interior defensive line. That's going to cause a lot of headaches mm-hmm. for quarterbacks moving forward, and the secondary will be able to have a field day with, with these guys like that. Yeah, the hammer, hammer, the big thing you have to say is you have Jonathan Hankins. 
You have to say right. how much better Sue is than Hankins. I like Hankins. I think he's a very good player, but I think Sue's more reliable, more available, yep. and a better player. But you got Hankins here, and you'd have to have a rotation with Hankins and Sue, Bilal Nichols, who can play tackle there, Farrell Jr., and then, as you mentioned, Clee Farrell moving him inside if he makes the team. There are a lot of guys here that aren't going to make the team. There's a, there's a packed defensive line room with tackles and ends, and I think it's full. So you're going to have to make you're going to have to get rid of someone to bring in Sue, and it could be someone already under contract. I don't see Clee Farrell being a guy that's going to be gone because if we end up cutting him, we're going to have to eat nine point nine eight million dollars for that contract. And even with the trade, same thing. You're going to have to eat half of the remaining contract. When Patrick Graham was with the Giants, he was eyeing Clee Farrell. There's a reason that he's still here, yeah. and Patrick Graham is going to utilize this guy in many different ways. You, heard, you saw the reports out there like a week or two ago. Oh, look, he's playing outside linebacker now. Oh, he could be playing edge. Where, wherever he's going to play, Patrick Graham is going to make it work. There's other guys from that D-line on that depth chart right now that I don't see making this roster. Um, Pico is one guy that I think is going to be cut. There's going to be a lot of casualties right now that are going to be gone to free up more space for this team moving forward. I still think that Renfro and Waller are going to get their extensions. I've said that we are, in fact, a Super Bowl contender. We are a true number one corner away and a true veteran right tackle away. Daryl Williams has been out there. Me, Docs, and a couple of my uh, other of my guys have talked about Daryl Williams. But realistically, he's an average right tackle at best. We wanted Morgan Moses. He took a hometown discount, $5 million a year. Uh, was it three years, 15 mil to stay in Baltimore or go to Baltimore rather. But I still think we do need to look into the corners as well. Offensive line, I really don't think the offensive line is going to be touched. They brought back Parker. They brought back Illuminor. Rosillo is a genius when it comes to the offensive line. He has developed consistently top 10 offensive lines with the Patriots. I do think that Illuminor is brought back because he has the familiarity with Josh McDaniels. And Parker, I think it's a, it's a, it's a project, but I think that these guys are going to be just fine under McDaniels, mm-hmm. under Mick Lombardi, under okay. Colin Brasillo. All right. I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. A lot of good, good information there. Appreciate you kicking off the show today. There's a guy who wanted to go position group by position group. I appreciate that because a lot of people are in-depth on some of these players that are coming in here. I think that there are a bunch of guys, average guys on the offensive line, other than Colton Miller. That doesn't mean they're not good. They can be developed into that. Derek Carr needs an elite offensive line at some point. Rich Gannon had one. Ken Stabler had the best one in the history of the Raiders. Jim Plunkett had great players. Derek Carr has not. And Derek Carr needs better players on the offensive line. That's why I don't believe the Raiders are done yet. I still think the Raiders have one more chip to play on the O-line coming up here. And, yeah, of course Renfro is going to get a deal. Just remember, if you want to get a deal early, an earlier deal, and Waller asked for a deal and got one, if you want to deal earlier before your contract's up, you got to take a hometown discount. You have to. Because if you don't, then you want to play through the contract and play as a free agent or get franchise tagged, which is not going to happen here. These guys should get paid. But I would like to see the money go for some type of extension, which you can massage the cap with, but I'm more interested in getting another player or two that can help the Raiders. This roster's damn good. There's still some viable holes.
There's a hole on the offensive line. There's a hole at cornerback if Trayvon Mullen doesn't step up his game. By now, Trayvon Mullen should be a pro bowler. Or going, oh man, he missed the pro bowl by a little bit. Guy's not available. Jonathan Abram should be a pro bowler by now. Being in this league, you know, going in on, on this many years at the end of his contract, he should be pro bowl or not. I keep telling you, these guys were here before Ziegler and McDaniels. They are putting them under a microscope every day. Some they can't get rid of. Great point on Clee Farrell's deal. It's a mess. He, deser- he got the money being number four overall. He deserved it. That's what the market bared. They took him there. He got paid in a slotted amount of money of what you get number four overall. Alex Leatherwood, first round money at 17. I don't blame him. They took him there. He was slotted at 17. That money is what he gets. But he shouldn't have been paid that much on a rookie deal. Two guys who are supposed to be critical going forward. Your right tackle and Cleve Farrell was supposed to be drafted as a pro bowler. You got to clean that up in Henderson in the executive business office. You got to move some money around. You got to figure out if you're going to cut guys and eat some contract. These are big mistakes that were made by the regime before. We're not blaming them. They just swung and missed. Now you got to figure out a way to develop these guys, let them go, take the pain, as we like to say, and get better guys in here. I can't wait for camp because I think it's going to be brutal. I think guys are going to come in every day not knowing if they have a job. I think Josh McDaniels isn't looking to make friends. He's going to make guys run laps. He's going to be hard on everybody the way Belichick was hard on everybody. And everybody who played on Belichick's team, everybody. I'm talking everybody. Tom Brady was pissed off playing for Belichick because he didn't get any treatment. Right? Belichick didn't treat him any differently. This is a new time in Raider history. No one's getting anything they don't deserve. Everybody's going to have to earn it every day, which is going to make for an incredible training camp. Incredible. And with the flagship, you'll get it right here as we're brought to you by PTs. Winners, man. I'm seeing winners over at PTs. You can watch sports. You can game at the bar. You can eat. You can drink. Five to seven, midnight to two, best happy hour in town. The Laughlin Event Center for concerts. They own the Strat, Arizona Charlie's. SG Bar, where I had a great lunch the other day at the top of 215 in Flamingo. I'm excited. Big show today. Let's keep the calls going. 702-365-9200. If you're a Raider fan, especially an L.A. Raider fan, you remember Terry McDaniel. I'm excited to talk to him next. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Jacobs is a running back. Play action. Here's Carr looking left, firing. Touchdown! Jackpot, baby! Hunter Renfro, first to score! Hunter Renfro, Brent Mutzberger on the call. JT back with you. Our legend segment brought to you by M Resort Spa and Casino, the official. Hotel of the Silver and Black. I'm thrilled to talk to Terry McDaniel. What a career he had as a cornerback, a pro bowler, an all-pro, a great Raider for the L.A. and Oakland Raiders from 1988 through 1997. A high draft pick, first round pick number nine overall in the 1988 draft. Terry, thanks for doing this. Welcome to the flagship. How are you? 
Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We really appreciate this and the opportunity to talk to you. Tell us about early on in life from Ohio before you went to Tennessee and played. What was the key moments for you developing as a young athlete, turning yourself into a football player? Actually, once I, well, I stopped from Ohio, I stopped in Alabama for a minute, but ended up in Michigan through my high school year. So, but I picked up running track, and I think track opened up a lot of doors for me because I was on some bad teams my high school year in football, but at the same time, I won the state and track in the 100 and uh, 200. So it kind of opened doors up for me, and that kind of was the key to kind of sparking things for me. Yeah, I've talked to so many former legends, and they say the same thing. I'm happy you said that about track. It reminds me of the great Mike Haynes, who you know. He played on a bad high school team, yeah. but ended up going to college at ASU, became a Hall of Famer because not only the speed he had, but he learned about losing on bad teams when he was younger. And once he got a taste of winning, he wanted to keep on winning. Is that what happened with you at the university of Tennessee? That's very true. It really was just having the opportunity to start to develop and having a hunger, you know how to lose, but you still hated it. But the good thing about it, even back in those days, we still had an attitude where we're going to get the next one, no matter what. And so when things finally turned around and things start clicking for me, went from receiver to defensive back over one summer. And from that day forth, things kind of, God bless me and just had, I had a ball with it. Terry McDaniel's our guest. So the move from wide receiver to corner, a lot of receivers don't want to make that move. They have big egos. They want to touch the ball all the time. They want to run to the end zone. But you turned out to be an interception machine and a guy who could turn it over. What was the thought process for you when your coaches told you or you thought about maybe making that move from offense to defense? It was kind of rough at the beginning. When I first heard it was right after, I guess, my freshman year. And a coach called me that summer and asked me what did I want to do it. I wasn't too keen on it. I said, ah, you know, I've been playing really office all my life. I played a little defense in uh, high school, but it wasn't much. But I was more of a, actually a running back coming out of high school. But my size, as soon as I got on campus and my speed, they put me a receiver. And at that point, we were loaded with receivers. A lot of our DBs had graduated, and some got hurt, and some was in academic trouble. And they, they made a kind of deal, okay, right now you're the second receiver coming out, coming into this uh, fall practice. And automatically, we're going to put you at the second uh, corner. And you just, let's say, so we made a deal that let's try it for a week or two. And if it feels good, we'll go with it. If not, you just go back. So it's a win win. But from day one, I went to Brent and things went. And the funny how you used Mike Haynes, because they even used me at Mike Haynes as an example. Mm -hmm. They were trying to talk me into going over to me in the DB. But when they said it, I tried it. And from day one, it took off. And I played a lot of basketball growing up. and going from trying to, I was mainly a defensive specialist at the time, so I would try to get a steal and go dunk, so it's kind of now let's get an interception and take it to the end zone. So from day one, it clicked and kind of just stayed with it. Raider legend Terry McDaniel. Ron Zook had a big role in your career as a defensive back coach, huh? Yes, he was actually the one that helped make this. Uh, him and Kippy Brown was the receiver coach at the time, and Ron Zook was the DB, and they, they talked me into coming on over and laid down a good platform, and Zook was the right person to get it going, so he was really aggressive. So it worked. It worked out good, though. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, nineteen eighty-seven. Your senior year, fifty-seven tackles, thirty-eight solo, two interceptions. You broke up eight passes. You played in some really big games where a lot of the scouts of the NFL saw you. What when, what happened there that senior year that clicked? And did you start to sense that the NFL wanted you as a first-round pick? How did that discussion go about? 
Well, the first round pick, that kind of clicked toward the end because it actually going after going into my junior year, I was playing good football where the NFL was still a goal regardless. Even actually, believe it or not, when, even when I wasn't playing, I was a receiver. It's just at that point, I was always seeing myself as being a receiver. And then when I switched over to deep at the back, I flipped over to be a deep at the back. Uh, kind of funny there because even when I was a receiver, I remember in my dorm room, I even had Clayton and Duper, the Marks brothers. I had member them and all. Far as being a receiver, the next thing you know, I flipped over, and years later, I actually played against Mark and uh, uh, the, the Mark's brothers, Elder Clayton and Duper. But at the same time, just making that transition, it was tough for a second, but once it happened, everything started rolling, and I, I, I really just enjoyed it. Terry McDaniel joins us. So you end up getting drafted. Tell me about that process uh, going number uh, number nine overall in the first round. We know Al Davis's history cornerbacks and the cornerbacks and the speed that he liked. Was this something that you were aware of at the time, your first interaction, if you could share that with us with Mr. Davis? Yes, and actually the first answer to the last question, too, was coming into the draft, they used to start picking up for me. And back then, we know we didn't have all the internet and all the draft projections and all these things, so I didn't have all that information before me. But uh, after my senior year, I know I had a good chance after the senior bowls and all that, but I messed up my shoulder. So I had surgery coming right after the, my senior year. So a part of that, because some people were saying, wait after I get drafted, well, wait after the combine before I have the surgery so I can go and work out the combine. But I did got, I got also advice to say, let's have the surgery first so you can be healthy when the season comes. And that's the kind of advice I took. And then uh, so I went to the combine in the sling, so I didn't do anything there. But I started hearing my name, and I knew it from last I heard, it was two DBs would go before me. And mm-hmm. actually, that's how it went. And I would be that next guy, but where? But the Raiders, so yeah, God works things out. I kind of that's where I wanted to go because we played a lot of man there at Tennessee. But actually, we played a lot of zero coverage, so we were. I was prepared for it, and at the time, Raiders played a whole lot of man to man, so that was the kind of team I wanted to go to. So that's where I wanted to be. I knew they were interested, but to say they were going to pick me for sure, I, I, I had no idea. And especially when it happened, it kind of. Everything just worked out for the best. You know, I'm looking back, and you, you look at certain drafts in the history of the league. That was a big Raider draft. When you look back on that draft, the Raiders had to feel pretty good at the end of that draft overall with some of your fellow teammates that were selected. Yes. At that, that year, actually, the Raiders ended up having three first round picks. Right. So it was Tim, Tim Brown, myself, and Scott Davis. Yeah, to be in, a dra- was, uh, to be in the same draft as Tim Brown – how did that connect you guys forever as friends and teammates? What was that like? That was great because we were always great friends. Even today, we, we, we're we not as close, I guess, as you would say. You would think it would be. Every once in a while, we might holler. I hadn't even talked to him in years, to put it that way. But while we were there and coming together, it was kind of a good combination because we actually competed with each other for those 10 years, constantly day in and day out, with him being a receiver and me and a, uh, a DB. So it worked out pretty good for us. But just that whole class and the promise that we had, the biggest thing is, we didn't get to win it all with the big goal was. We never got to pull all that together, but the overall experience, it was still great. Yeah, Tim. Al Davis, like I say, he liked the speed, and <laughs> I knew I had a chance, and so I always praise God for him, using him to select me and give me the opportunity. What's your earliest memory for a big play playing for the Raiders, the big play for you that changed everything, put you on the map? Ooh. A play, I couldn't say, but I think it went in my third year. I was playing just real good defense, and my name started popping up. And then I think that finally after I made that first Pro Bowl, I guess I started the season off. Within the first five games, I might have had three interceptions or 
fumble recovery. I had three touchdowns in the first five games. So I had more touchdowns than not some of our receivers at the time. And so once that year got the roll and things kind of picked up and took off from there. Yeah, you were an absolute ball hawk. Uh, first team All Pro in 1993. Five time Pro Bowler. You were All SEC back in '87. I'll wrap it up with once a Raider, always a Raider. What does this franchise still mean to you today? It really means a lot. Like I once ran always, so I'm always cheering I hadn't got a chance to get out to Vegas yet, far as to see a game. I hadn't took that experience yet, especially after COVID. Hopefully, I get out there soon. But just knowing, just knowing the history and. Glad I was a part of it, and just the connections that they're, that's always there in the bond that we're continuing to form. So I'm always excited about that and looking forward to yet the future. But like I said, just really looking forward to getting back in touch and being connected once again. But they've, they've been great, and I'm glad to be a part of the Raiders. I, the Raiders blessed me, so they're always a part of my family. Terry, I know your faith means a lot to you. Tell us about where you're living, your family, your extended family. What's life about for you right now? Well, yeah, I'm, well, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee now, right here where the University of Tennessee is. And I've just been a big part of my church. I've been over our Sunday school department, ooh, like, well, for over 20 years now. I'm uh, what they call a Sunday school superintendent, where I just I teach our adult class and prepare our teachers for the, other cl- the younger classes and just sharing the Word of God. You know, I have my wife and two kids. My kids are grown now. They're 30 and 26, so they're coming along. And my son's a big Raider fan. Actually, he's been, he got to go see the uh, – the Raiders charge game, the last game of the season. Wow. So that was great for him and his girlfriend. They were out there to see that. So that, that was very exciting. Well, Terry, come on out. Here, just here to church now. Yeah, come on out because everybody wants to see you. You're, you're a really important alumni. Every, every alumni is very important to Mark Davis, and you know the alumni department thinks the world to you. So try to come on out and pick a game this year. It'd great, be great to have you in studio for you to see the facility in this brand-new stadium. You'd be very proud, as I know, to be a Raider legend and see all this up close. Well, I'm looking forward to doing that. Thanks, Terry. Have a great day, a blessed day. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. God bless you. Appreciate everything. God bless you. Terry McDaniel. Wow. That's a big one. That's a big one. That's a player who had a big impact on the Raiders. 88 through 97, five-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro, and played in some pretty big games, had 35 total interceptions, six touchdowns. And, you know, when you look at what he did at Tennessee in college, he was a hell of a football player. Once a Raider, always a Raider. That would be a good guy to have in the building to talk to these corners, right? That would be the guy you bring in to a team meeting and say, hey, everybody, get on your feet for Terry McDaniel and have him up there. Hope he comes out because it seems like he's ready to do that and he's living in Knoxville, Tennessee. Great that this alumni department and everybody behind the scenes can put these interviews together for us. Hope you enjoyed that. Brought to you by the M Resort Spa and Casino. 702-365-9200. Damon Bruce and Lee Hacksaw Hamilton next hour and your phone calls the rest of the way. Also, considering college football is getting good between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. There's more reaction from what Saban said yesterday. The hockey playoffs last night between Edmonton and Colorado was supposed to be Vegas versus one of those two teams. Not the case. I know, Bobby. I know it bothers you. Bothers me, too. But that was one of the fastest hockey games I ever watched. I was on the air last night looking up. Every time I looked up, there was a goal. Incredible. And there was a better at BetMGM who bet $200,000 on the over of seven and a half. <laughs> right? And they scored 14 goals. So that's the way to bet. That's the way to bet. Uh, this legend doesn't have any social media. 
but the bet's pretty big, wink, wink. And today's the match. If you're going to head out there, I don't think you can. I think it's close to most of the public. I think just some VIPs and some sponsors are in there, but that'll look good. Vegas is going to shine on TV today as Tom Brady's playing golf at the win with Aaron Rodgers going up against Patrick Mahomes. And I think you know Jared Allen's going to be a really good player in this league. Should have won a Super Bowl last year. Buffalo's my favorite as the Super Bowl winner this year, even though I haven't made that selection yet. Should have got it last year, but those 13 seconds in Kansas City, man, those 13 ugly seconds changed it all. Speaking of Buffalo, I'm heading out tomorrow to Rochester, New York. Got a big college reunion that we haven't gone to in five years, the last two due to COVID. So I'll be racing back there and coming back, and then Monday we're live from the Raider facility over in Henderson, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, as there's going to be some exciting announcements here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. When we come back, your phone calls, hit me up via Twitter, at JT the Brick. We're brought to you by Botanist Gin. Look, I'm a vodka guy. I drink Modelo's. But Remy Martin has me sipping on the gin and juice with the botanist. Much more refreshing, cooler. It snaps. When you taste it, you'll love it. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. He's the only reason they were alive in that series. And it's a wide open three. So I had no problem with it. Hey, Jimmy Butler, he proved to me, man. And now he's a stud, man. What he did in game six and tried to do in game seven, got nothing but love and respect for Jimmy. Jimmy and Butler, as I call him. Charles Barkley on the Jimmy Butler miss on the three, which is really a big topic. Everybody's been talking about that shot. Changes everything. And I don't think – I think Miami – is a really good team. It was right down to the wire with Boston. If Miami won, you'd look at Miami and say, well-deserved, they were a one seed. They're going to go play the Warriors with Jimmy Butler. But Jimmy Butler was not the same. He was banged up. He's running out of gas. And now Boston is younger. I think Boston is a better team overall. And Boston will take on the Warriors. I got the Warriors in six. Seven makes more sense. That's an easy way out. I've always been amazed that people in my business pick someone in seven. Then don't make a pick. You got to pick them to win before game seven because then you're just not wanting to pick and you pick the favorite. So I'll go Warriors in six. If Boston wins game one or game two, they got a chance to win the series. If they get beat, which I think they could in the first two games, it's over. They're not going to win four out of five. They're not. So the Warriors are built so you can't go on a run and beat them four in a row. Or beat them three out of four. They're just not built that way. They're too streaky in a good way. So if Boston wants to win the series, they better catch a game in San Francisco early. Or this thing could be done sooner than later. Dino in Rochester as I'm on my way to Rochester. What's happening? JT, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you, buddy? Good to hear from you. Great. Thank you. I want to thank you very much for that tremendous interview with T-Mac. One of the most underrated Raider legends of all time a tremendous press corner for a long, long time, and a ball hawk, something that this this year's secondary needs. Uh, I agree with you. He'd be a great guy to bring in to mentor some of these younger guys or at least speak Mm -hmm. to the group. And they need to bring in a veteran player, I think, to add to this secondary. Somebody that's going to have been through the wars of the NFL, someone they can lean on when the 
times are getting tough late in the fourth quarter. That's seen and done it all in the NFL. That that's what I'd like to see him do with this twenty million that's coming up. That's well, free well, up Dino, tomorrow. they they had Casey Hayward last year, who I thought did a really good good job. I thought he was a hell of a player. And he did a nice job, and I didn't think he'd be around long because he was one of those players that came in as a stopgap and played above his, not above his ability, he played at a very high level. You're right about having a veteran there. We've seen Amik Robertson play. We've seen some of these other corners. They brought in Anthony Averett, as you know, and Averett, he's supposed to be the type of player that can compete and have that opportunity to step up. I just can't wait to see how good Rock Yassin's going to be because he better be great because they're counting on him to be what Casey Haywood was last year. Yeah, and he's taken over. Uh, you know, he's got a he's got his production's got to equal what Ngakwe did, mm-hmm. and Ngakwe was damn good for this team last year. I mean, I'm I'm really happy with the addition of Chandler Jones. I'm I'm not saying that I'm missing Ngakwe, but um, Rock Yassin's got to play some really really good ball that we can count on. And, you know, I'm more concerned with that secondary. I'd like to see a veteran in there. The O-line, I really got a lot of faith in this coach. If you look back at all these great Patriot O-lines, there was never a lot of high draft picks and a lot of big names. They coached their players up. I know Dante Scarnecchio did a great job, but this Brasillo, he learned under at the knee of, of uh, Dante Scarnecchio, so I got a lot of faith in him, too. All right, my friend, good to talk to you. How's the weather in Rochester? I'm flying in tomorrow, man. I'm not into these sick. I'm looking at 60s, man. I'm in Vegas. We got up to 100, man. I don't, I don't need 62 degrees. Give me something better than that. Well, it was beautiful yesterday, high 80s yesterday and sunny. Today's been raining all day. You know Rochester. Uh, you know, you wait five minutes and it'll change. Thank uh, you. You know. Sounds, sounds good. I'll deal with it. I'll have the pullover just in case. Take care, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, floating back to a college reunion that's two years delayed because of COVID. A lot of things. My wife's birthday, two years delayed. We're going to see the Rolling Stones in a couple of weeks there in Europe. I'm going to go do that. That's a bucket list for us. All these were trips we've had planned for years. Couldn't do it. Literally canceled. You ever go back into your old files and look at confirmations and then try to keep the confirmation, then try to keep the confirmation? And then... I give my wife a lot of credit. I'm sitting here texting Bobby with one of our sales reps who wants to know my schedule, and I'm like, I don't know. My wife handles all that. She put it in the phone, linking up the phone, trying to get the calendar going. But uh, I'll be away a little bit here in June uh, for, before the beginning, and then I'm gearing up for the summer and the summer of Cliff Branch. And Bobby and I have put in a lot of work on what we're doing in the summer of Cliff Branch. I'm trying to talk to Cliff's best friends, his best teammates, and we're building up to this unbelievable experience that we're going to see in Canton, Ohio. And I'm, I'm not apologizing to anybody else. I'm just telling you the little that I know, it's the biggest Raider party in Canton history. And that's because of the generosity of Mark Davis and the players he's inviting and the alumni and the staff and everybody who's going. You know, when people said this was Mark's best friend, Cliff Branch, that was true. So Mark's getting able to go back into Canton where his dad is enshrined and to go there and enshrine his best friend in Cliff. It's a big-time moment, and it's going to be a game, too. If you're going to get there, you get an opportunity to go to the Hall of Fame game on top of the Cliff enshrinement. You know, if you go to the link also at the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, just Google it. They have the Cliff T-shirts up there already, and you can get some memorabilia and do all that and support Cliff. 702-365-9200. We'll shoot up to the Bay Area. Damon Bruce on the Warriors and the Celtics. That's a great matchup. Bobby, who runs the show, is a Celtic fan. They're there, Bobby. Be happy. You're going to have two weeks of basketball with your team on. 
I think the Warriors, they're going to have their hands full. Damon Bruce covers the team. He'll join us. And then Lee Haxel Hamilton at the bottom of next hour. JT, good to have you today on the flagship of the Raiders, brought to you by Grimaldi's. Best pizza I've ever had. Go to Grimaldi's, please.